You're always saying that I'm the one. I'm never the one. You're the one. I don't think so. I think you are mistaken there, my lady. Hey, we got candles and things. Everything's all kind of nice. It is. Yeah. That's nice. Reminds me of something. I can't really think what. And there's a green thing over there. A green thing. There's a green thing over there. Maybe you can't see it, but I can see it. You know why? Oh, because, the... Because it's 8.56 a.m. Saturday, August the 20th, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane issue. <laughs> yes, the elderly munchkins <laughs> are back in town. <laughs> It's been a. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm gonna take me a sip. It's been a. It's been a what? It's been kind of a. Yeah, ham and eggs. Grab bag. Grab bag. I was gonna say all over the map, or I was gonna say mapless kind of week here in Lake Abundance. Over to you, Diane. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I figure why, that's all you why mess with it? That's you know? all you got? Yeah, well, we'll be talking about me more later. <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's get on with it. I mean, what's the deal? Let's see. Well, I experienced more of the trials and tribulations of being a, a newbie on the job oh, this week. Well. But it all resolved in the end, and you know. That's kind of how that to works. To kind of show that your ego still tries to build, even when it's shattered, you know. Yeah. But I think you've made. I think we're both learning some interesting things. Yeah. During this passage, because I think one of the things that you said this week that was the most illuminating to me is that because of the difference in our natures, yours and mine. Uh, I like things a little more chaotic, and you like things orderly, you know, at least in a, in a work environment, you know. And I, I'd never really thought of that before as I was thinking, you know, Diane can swoop in here and get this place whipped into shape in no time. I was not really taking into consideration those, those differences and how this, uh, this particular place we work there's, I don't know what, it's just uh, inevitably chaotic. Uh, well, yeah, it's just more is, chaotic. Yeah, each day you, is You just... can't really expect things to happen. It's right. sort of, but I, I feel like by the, the second day of the week, I was... Yeah, that's usually how I feel. Working only two days a week, it's like the first day I'm like, okay, I've got 12 things to do. I'm only going to get eight of them done or seven, so let me... What, what do I think is the most important? You get those seven done, and then you do the rest of them on the next day. But I think that the, the main thing is that when you first start a job, uh, and I haven't started this brand new mm -hmm. a job in decades. Yeah. So even though I've changed jobs, it's not been this, this aspect of newness. <laughs> right. And plus, and, you're, you're going from, I think just going from the Mac to the PC environment can be troublesome. Yeah, yeah. And that. then if you're dealing with equipment that's older than what you're used to using, and so it's slower, that that can hold you back or make you feel like, I should be able to be getting more done. Uh, 
but I can't because everything go, moves so slowly and you have to kind of adjust to that pace. That's why I keep looking over at you and say, yeah, but remember, Diane, you're retired now. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to settle into uh, the reality of how much you can actually do in a day when you've got patients coming in and out, you've got all yeah. those transactions to make, you're trying to process mail, you're trying to get all the stuff downloaded and uploaded where it needs to be. You just can't get to all of it. So, sometimes. But it's it's just been an education in in uh, starting anew. I was thinking about it's almost like I came from this huge city in which the I knew every street. Like I was like the cabbie driver that right, knows right, right. the whole Good of London. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I had learned I had learned the knowledge about London, and then all of a sudden I'm in a village. And I don't know where anything is. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of stopping villagers along the way and saying, Oh, excuse me, where do I find the yeah. the market? Where where's the market? Mm-hmm. You know? I I feel uh because I was thinking since I was like this, you know, city person yeah, that I would yeah. be able to go into the village and just be able to Yeah. I like you it. Know, I like it. Find everything. But it's yeah. that's the that's Well that's the and there's other factors in a small small village that you don't have to deal with in the city yeah one of being one of them being a level of anonymity that you kind of get used to so that you can kind of shine where you shine and kind of duck out of the way when the crap starts to fall in the small town everybody's looking at you all the time and <laughs> they know your business you know the good uh, stuff and the bad stuff that's something i learned anyway it's it's really a it's a, it's an education and in, in uh being a, a newbie again. I have not had that experience for a long time. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, this week has just been a pleasant circumstance of all the different passions and interests that I'm going through. I, True that. Um, I feel like I'm really enjoying rereading um, books that I've read before uh i'm i'm quite a fan of the novelist robertson davies really i have read his re-read his books oh i don't know maybe five times so i'm probably on the fifth reread of one of my favorites of his books called the rebel angels and i was talking to another fan of his my friend kathy mm. I was, she was asking me if I was reading anything. You know, we talk about things that we are reading. And, and I said, well, I have to admit I'm rereading uh, Robertson Davies' book. And she was saying, oh, that's so interesting. Are you finding things to be uh, different from your youth to your age? And I was saying, well, to tell you the truth, since I've reread these at various points in my life... Um, I've already kind of experienced that difference between reading it when I was younger and reading it when I was older. But every time that I read it, some aspect of the book hits me more than it did before. Yeah. And even though I know the plot lines, the the interesting information that is flowing through is just fascinating to me. So it's what interests me is what things I am actually focusing on this time that I have not focused on in the past. 
And I just really enjoy that. His characters have great conversations. They have great conversations. <laughs> That's one of the things that Kathy and I were talking about because she was reading a book uh, 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 by the author of Snow Falling on Cedars. Uh-huh. And I have never read that book. Is that um, Timothy Egan? I don't... No, 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 no. Mine... I don't remember the name of the author. He's a local guy, isn't he? He is a local. And um, and she said that she was having a hard time getting into this book because he was spending a lot more time on description of scenes than she really appreciated. And I said, you know, that is so interesting because since I am reading Robertson Davies, I realized that what I really like in books are the the books that are conversational. Mm-hmm. I like the ideas being passed back and forth more than I like descriptions, long descriptions of scenes. Yeah. You know, I like enough, just enough uh, description of the scenes so you know where they are. Right. So you can kind of picture them in that setting. But many of the times when I'm reading these conversations in Roberts and Davies, you have no idea what the scene looks like around them but you're so fascinated by the conversations they're having and um i just love the conversations so i was thinking robertson davies was he was uh an actor and i was thinking about william shakespeare he was an actor so a lot of the the ways that these writers write that is so powerful comes from them being able to imagine them in the characters themselves and the characters as they're writing the conversations. Right, and that the and that the the conversation is the point. If you're writing a play, it's mostly conversation. It's the dialogue yeah. that that moves the story. So I I feel like there's some authors that are more like poets when they're doing their descriptions, brief but illuminating descriptors, yeah. and then. Prose writers when they're talk when they're in uh, their dialogue and conversation stuff, and I think I am drawn to that too. And it's better in a book or on stage uh, than it might be like in a movie or something like that. But in a book, it's the it's the way you can move the story forward uh, and keep action going because when people people conversing, that's action. That's and, right. And there's an immediacy to it for the reader uh, that keeps it keeps things moving. And when you have a person who can really write the conversations between the different characters and not sound like they're the same person just having the same conversations with themselves, you know, that they are actually different characters and you really feel it. Yeah, I don't, I love that. You don't hear people uh, very often saying that they would have liked more description in in a piece of writing, you know? Um, a lot of times the people will say there's too much description, but I, I know I don't, I seldom hear people saying that there's too little. Yeah. And if you're, if you're, if your book is centered on conversations between characters, then where they are doesn't, isn't really that important. You know, you can say they were in such and such as office and that's all you really need to say when this happened, they start talking and, and that's the story. Well, I find that if you just give a few hints of various things that it, uh, even when I was writing the, the fairy tale that I was writing, I did write 
descriptions of the, the scenes where they were in, but I found that you can be pretty economical right. with what you and say. If you were, if, if, as the writer, you were going back to revise, you would probably go to the description to trim, trim yeah. and condense, you know, and clarify more than you would to the, to the dialogue or the, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, I, I really have enjoyed rereading that. And I'm still, now I'm in my module three of my tarot oh. class because oh. I had turned in my final assignment on my, on my tarot module two. Right. And really happy with um, my final assignment on that. As was your instructor, if I'm not mistaken. She was. Yes. Well, I did go above and beyond. And that's the thing that is so fascinating to me about the people in this class. You are taking this class with no... You're not going to get a certification. You're not going to get a grade. You're not competing against the other members of your class uh, just because they're, they're sort of assisting you through their own their own explorations through their assignments. But the people who are doing these assignments are doing it at such a high level as if we were in of a college com- class. Of commitment and, yeah. and study. And, yeah. Well, and just the way that they do the presentations and everything in it. And I think that that is furthered by the teacher of the course who is quite a, an amazing teacher very learn, learned in, in the, her own practices, but also uh, always uh, questing, I think, on her own. Right. But she gives the most amazing assignments and just fun and things that you really want to participate in. So I find it interesting how much I want to go above and beyond. And, and I find it is for me. Yeah. That's the the thing that I love so much about this point in my life is that everything I'm doing, I can just do at a high level because I want to be at that high and level. You've not, the, and you've got the time for it. Right, and not that there's anybody expecting me to do something so that I can go on to the next rung of whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's kind of how it is with poetry, too. I just get to sit in it. Exactly. Yeah. In, in it can be my whole day, you know. It's great. Well, the the thing that I loved about this particular assignment is that it was a chance for me to, it was associating tarot cards with, um, that you were making the associations rather than pulling something. You're, she's trying to get you to think about the symbols within the cards from all sorts of aspects. You know, when you pull it, when you choose it. And so this one was about choosing. And um, since I was trying to uh, to honor some of it, it, the day that I chose, you had to choose a certain day to just say, okay, these were the themes of the day. These were the moods of the day. These were the people of the day. And I chose a particular day, which was Father's Day. And the reason why I chose it was because I thought, well, We've been during, uh, during the pandemic, we haven't had people over and that day Alice was going to come over. So I thought, well, that 
would be a person to associate a court card to, but then I'd also have the the fathers that I was thinking about in my life. Right. And and it became such an honorary tribute to all the men in my life that have been so wonderful. Um, I've had a real blessing, a gift of the men in my life. And I wanted to have that honorary quality about it. And so at the end, I felt like I'm doing this for my class. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this in honor of the men that have been around me and um, given me so much. I was very fortunate in that regard. I think about that all the time, about the my father and my grandfathers and my brother and and how these were the men that I was around rather than other sorts of men, right. you know. Right. So. Yeah. That's cool. And then the other notable thing I would say is that you came in last night and said that you had uh, gotten the Lunatic Cafe up oh. after our conversation last week about... Um, the how to track <laughs> I mean we were talking about Henry doing his oh, his multi-track his thing, multi-track yeah. adventure yeah, yeah, and right. and uh, we were talking about your lunatic cafe cassette which I loved and I had not heard the whole thing in a long time and you brought it down and played a bunch of the songs you didn't play all of them I don't think no but I played you know, a lot there's there's like as it stands now there are I think 27 songs. I mean, 27 cuts, including, you know, things like Arnie's Soup Kitchen and Mantra Man and, you know, all the little weird things that I put in between. There's 27 tracks on that cassette. And I added one because I wrote a song called The Lunatic Cafe in 1987, which, did we play that on the show? Um, and I added that as a bonus track at the end. Wow. Yeah, so. Cool. So and and I have to say I have I have had bad feelings about this about that project for forty years. It came out in eighty four, so almost forty years. And uh, but I am technology has moved forward enough to where I am able to do things to the um, recording now that I wasn't able to do before. Um, take out some of the tape hiss and actually uh, play with the bass and treble some and the amp and the basic volume of the tracks. Um, so I've actually gotten it into a place that I kind of like it now. And I, I, some of the songs I, I have not played for decades. And uh, these were like songs, some of them I wrote in high school. Um, I think the oldest song I think on there I wrote when I was 17 or something from where you are and our day which I wrote for Tim's wedding which was in 1980 when I was you know 21 maybe so some early stuff and but uh, and not stuff that I necessarily feel uh, still in my being now so that I ne wouldn't necessarily sing them anymore but I, I'm kind of looking back and going yeah that sounds like the songs I would have written in my 20s well, that was one of the interesting uh, 
for me to hear it again yeah. was quite exciting because I hadn't heard it for so long. Mm-hmm. I had heard, uh, I had asked you to pull out the Lunatic Cafe. So I had heard the Lunatic Cafe. The cut. Yeah. The cut. Yeah. But I had not asked you to get all the other ones prepared in a digital form because you seem to have such reluctance. Well, it's just the recording quality. I mean, I was using a four-track cassette recorder. I had one microphone uh, that was not... I think it was a while before I even got myself like a SM58, a Shure SM58. I had a Shure microphone, but it wasn't as good as the SM58. So some of this was recorded without an SM58, and some of it was, but that's the best microphone I had at the time. I had no processing whatsoever. I just had EQ on each track and a wire reverb unit that I put to use. So I did a lot of playing around with just the pan pot. I would just start, I'd get a wah-wah effect by just panning hard right, left in rhythm with the song mechanically, you know, as it was recording so that I would, you know, get the effect I wanted. So I was just playing around, never really thinking through most of it that I would ever present it uh, as a uh, consumer product. So. And yet you did. And yet I did back in 1984, and it met with some nice, uh, I mean, that was an era where cassette albums were just coming into four. And I know at the antique, it was me and the ferry boats, I think, were the ones that first had cassettes for sale up yeah. front. And Heidi Muller. With her, well, and they were very reasonably oil. priced. Yeah, it was five to... bucks for a cassette, right. and you'd get... You know, in some cases, more than a LP's worth of music for, yeah. you know, on a cassette. And everybody had cassette players in their cars, so it made sense. But for radio play and stuff like that, cassettes were never going to be never going to be industry standard, you know. Although I know that uh, radio stations were receiving singles on cassette. Well, you said that David Ross used one of the songs that we were listening Dave to. Dave Ross, when, when I did, uh, well, no, that was from Right at the Light, but it was another cassette originally a cassette when I did that Minute with the Arts thing he was playing songs off of Right at the Light. Oh, I thought when we were listening to the Lunatic Cafe that you said he used this version. That was that was the Homegrown. That was uh, KEZX. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the woman's name who hosted Homegrown. That wasn't Dave Ross. Dave Ross oh, was, on, okay. uh, was on Cairo Radio. Uh, yeah. The, it did get a little drink in the version off of the Lunatic Cafe did get played on Homegrown once that I know of. And may I just once again say, a little drinking just seems like it it becomes more and more accurate over time. True. I mean, there's a few songs on I mean, Civil Disobedience is on there. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what else is on there now. But anyway, Old Dragon's (laughs) Passing Over. Some of the songs that ended up on Phobia Robes are on there. And uh, a little drinking, yeah, it's a... I grabbed onto something there. You sure did. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was true back then, and it yeah, is absolutely true, true right, right now. Yeah, it's right, my friends. Oh my gosh! What can I tell you? Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, we have Henry to thank for this exploration. We do, and since... Henry, I thank you, sir, because you, uh, as as a young prodigy that you are, uh, you have sent me back into my uh, into my younger days, uh, exploring around to see what I was coming up with back in those days and I was just I don't know it was very haphazard and you know I knew I wanted to write songs but I didn't really 
have a concept through a lot of this that this was going to be my life, you know, kind of thing. Well, I was really amazed at how... I remember back in uh, when you first released that cassette, the reason why I was so enamored of it. It was just such a creative endeavor. It wasn't just a musical endeavor. It was creative. It was all these little short story plays, only like a minute short story. Yeah, so it was like like an advanced look at not only my songwriting career, but my radio career. It was. All in one place and kind of their in kind of their germinal stages. So, yeah. But I I remember being so enthralled by that creativity. that uh, So that's why it didn't matter to me that I was listening to it on a little cassette tape right. and all that. It just, for me, I think that I, I really am so drawn to the creative force. And the creative force was with you <laughs> in that. I see. Thank you. It was fun. And now it, it feels kind of fun again. So maybe I just had to wait 40 years or something before I would be able to come back to it and, and like it. And But being able to, to work with the sound a little bit uh, helped me. I liked the musical ideas I had, and I played a lot of harmonies and do a lot of second guitar parts. I play bass and lead guitar. On, not well, but I do play bass and lead guitar on a couple of songs. So I was definitely experimenting around. And some of them are more clunky than others. There's a couple that are kind of clunky, but I, I'm just... What I'm going to do is I'm going to post it up to Bandcamp uh, once I get all, this, so all this reworking of it done. I'm so pleased about this. I'm going to put it up on my Bandcamp Thank page. you again, Henry. So this is this is major, I'll major have, I'll have eight, eight recordings on my Bandcamp page instead of just seven. Anyway. Well, yeah. Um, the interesting thing about listening to that, too, other than just hearing songs I haven't heard since that time yeah. I was just like wow I mean some of them I didn't even remember yeah. um, but it's also interesting to hear uh, and that's one of the great joys for me of having known all my my incredibly talented songwriting friends since they were writing when they were in their 20s um, mid 20s you really get to see the cycle of both thought and how age deepens the lyrics, deepens the musical ideas, you know, because it seems when I, when I'm listening to the lunatic cafe or first warm wind by cat Mm. or some of the other musical endeavors of my young friends that blew us away when we were young and they were wonderful there is no doubt about it but something deepens over time the the abilities the the creative force uh blossoms and becomes um much more complex i want to say so it was interesting to listen to some of the lyrical ideas that you had and think about how your lyrics are now you know the uh the depth that you explore now and i was even telling you it reminded me of this song by cat that i absolutely love called measure for measure Mm -hmm. and the 
the first lines of the song are once I was a shallow pool, all the stars reflecting, now I am a deeper well, innocent of nothing. And I feel like that is what is represented in right. in songs when you listen to the there's just more depth. Yeah. And you know, for me it's like, you know, when I listen to this recording, I have to think I'd already been writing songs actively for 10 years yeah. before I wrote most of these songs. Uh, not all of them, but some of them. And uh, so it is a progression. You know? And I can remember there were certain songs that are... I remember when I wrote Sacred Ground, I knew I had crossed into a new territory. Oh, yeah. And there have been a couple of points when I wrote uh, Concrete Tree. I, thought, I remember thinking that, too. Uh, like I'd ne I've never written anything like this, and it's amazing to know that this is possible, not only uh, uh, lyrically but but musically with that kind of. Sacred ground remains one of my favorite songs, and comfort. Comfort is a good one too. Yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna play a couple of those for you today. Uh, ones that. Uh, if Marjorie Richards have, happens to be in the audience, uh, the first one I picked up, whenever I hear this song, I think Marjorie really liked this song. And uh, so. But before we go on to that, I just oh. wanted to, because that was another big thing of the week. But oh, the, I'm sorry. the other thing, no, I, I was just that I was going to mention how fun the poetry break was this oh, week, too. Yeah. And that was kind of a spontaneous. Uh, <laughs> something spontaneous that happened right before the poetry break because you said you didn't have many things in the mailbag yeah. uh, that not many people had contributed poetry, just Mary Pekka had. And and so I decided to send a couple of uh, poems that were from this this old poetry book. That old anthology that you grew up with and I, apparently some other people did too that's the thing that I was going yeah. to comment on is that was so surprising that so many other people said we had that book and oh my gosh this is a trip down memory lane and I was just like wow really there I really thought, wasn't that much poetry I mean if you went to a bookstore in, in my youth there was very little poetry it was usually on the bottom half of a shelf in the back of the literature section would be poetry, and it would be Rod McEwen and James Cavanaugh and uh, uh, hundred one best or best loved poems of the American people, and Robert Service, and uh, if you were lucky, you'd 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 find some Richard Brodigan or uh, something something like that that would be, uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with any of those poets, but it just was not much variety. Well, so. I I had such a blast even hearing some of that poetry again and and knowing how much it struck a chord with other people yeah including my brother who happened to be there and i was so happy he was because and holly trout cooper actually sent me uh, uh pictures of the index of the book because the book has no table of contents but holly pointed out to me it does have an index so does ours have an index yeah oh okay so you can look things up because that's yeah. what I was having a problem with is you can't look anything up. You have to just kind of leaf through it. But if you go to the index, then you can look things up. And her mother, who's 
was, was where she got that book herself, had marked in the index the poems that she used to read to her kids. And, wow. that, and that they all really grew, grew up with and liked and said, and Holly well, said, use this, use these pictures, follow that index, you'll find some good stuff in here. Well, I was going to say that uh, one of the poems that you have read from that before is The Children's Hour. Children's which, Hour. Which my and, father used to recite to me. And Renaissance by, uh, by uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay is in there. Yeah. You know? So there, are, it's really an odd collection. It is an odd collection cause it's because it's got... some of them are just like, wow, Ooh. really? Ooh. Very can... clunky. But, but others are just gems. Yeah. But anyway, it was it was fun because when I think of that poetry book, I think about how much fun my brother and I always had reading to each other mm-hmm. um, because we would do the silliest things. And that was the poem that I had asked you to read was one of the silly things that we used to do. Yeah. If a fish ain't on your line, <laughs> bait your hook it, keep a try, keep a going. Keep a going. And those things that you did in your youth that just radiate throughout your life are are just so much fun. Yeah, I love it when we get to share some of that as a group, you know, where something will spark something in somebody else and they'll send something and then you know, or I'll be reading from a book. And, oh, we had that book. Oh, we had that book. You know, that kind of thing is... Yeah, and you never know when that's going to happen. You don't. And, and so that's why I was like, wow, that was an unexpected treasure trove little last minute uh, spark and especially the lit up the whole thing when i read the the poem that i had uh recited in eighth grade the day is done the, the longfellow poem yeah i had no i had i had remembered the beginning i always remembered the day is done and the darkness falls from the wings of night like a feather wafted downward from an eagle in his flight i always remembered that first line but I didn't really remember all of the things about poetry that it was it's uh, saying please read me some poems you know to to make my day uh, all the troubles of the day go away that was the theme of the of, of the, the poem, poem. Yeah. and I was thinking oh my god this is exactly what the poetry break is about yeah. and they was talking about hearing the person's voice that it wasn't just about the poetry, but hearing the voice of the, the person who was reading it. And I just thought, what a perfect poem. And I chose that poem. That's right, Diane. It was a preface to being with you, Bill. And I didn't even know it. Well, what do you know about that? And now we can go on to the I see. Selections. Okay, fine. I had just forgotten. You know, chronologically, I should have done that whole That's thing. That's true, Diane. That's true. Yeah, you weren't following the outline. Well, anyway. it was a grab bag of week, and it was a grab bag of show. There you go. There you go. So a couple of selections from... Uh, Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. The Lunatic Cafe. The first one is called... You, boy. What Have You Learned? That's good coffee. Uh, and the second one is The Same Sun Always Sets. Two early efforts by moi. <laughs> critical mess I've gotten you into Late nights in the coffee shops and crazy institutions of higher education 
Become a recreation ground and something you'll get used to. And what have you learned here? Or have you just been burned here? You came to me with problems, you were craving my attention. Concerning D.H. Lawrence love and reading comprehension I told you this was not your place And I was much too quizzical But you just got more physical And what have you learned here? Or have you just been burned here? And what have you learned here? Or have you just been burned here? And it was good while it lasted So I got no regrets And though we walk our separate ways The same sun always sets On the two of us Yes, the two of us
pulled me from a hundred holes You brought me to the light And your hand was steady whenever trouble took away my sight And you welcomed me back to your arms when I was long away And if it weren't for selfishness, we'd still be here today Here today And it was good while it lasted So I got no regrets And though we walked our separate ways The same sun always sets On the two of us Yes, the two of us Begun. Our difference of opinion, who's the father, who's the son But I've got this easy feeling that before our last defeat We'll find that point of union where parallel lines meet Where they meet And it was good while it lasted, so I got no regrets and though we walk our separate ways, the same sun always sets on the two of us, yes, the two of us. 